We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. The hottest next tape you'll find online. Next all day. We bleed blue and orange. This is Knicks Fan TV, your one-stop shop for the ultimate New York Knicks fan experience. News, rumors, debates, post-game live streams featuring live callers. Let's go Knicks, baby! And now, your host, CP, the NY Fanatic. What's good, Knicks Nation? Welcome to another Game of the Week Preview. We are previewing the New York Knicks facing the Los Angeles Lakers on Monday at 10.30 p.m. So you know what that means. Make sure to take your naps after work and get that cup of coffee so you can watch this a legitimate good outing. All right? This is going to be a great game, man. We know how it is. Knicks-Lakers, the historic rivalry between those two, especially going back to the 70s. And who better to help preview this game with me than none other than Trevor Wayne. You can catch him over at Lakers Nation and Front Office Sports uh, with our guy Keith Smith. So make sure to lock in, tap in, hit that thumbs up button for your boys. Make sure to subscribe to the channel. All right. And remember to support our sponsor, Underdog Fantasy. Use that promo code KFTV to get up to a $100 match. Trevor, what's going on, man? How are you feeling today? I'm doing well. Doing well. Thank you for having me. Excited for this game. Should be should be a fun one. Yeah, it should be a great one, man. Uh, I'm interested to see how the Knicks fare against this team. Uh, you guys, though, have been off to a great start this season. You just won the in-season tournament. So what, are you, what were your thoughts about that? Yeah, I mean, the in-season tournament, there were a lot of question marks heading into it about uh, you know whether or not fans would care about this, but really the whole thing hinged upon whether or not the players were going to care about it. But there were people who were saying, well, you know, the players are probably just going to load manage these games. And the NBA, I think, was really smart in the way they set it up, having them count as regular season games, all except the final, which didn't make a whole lot of lot of sense. I'm hoping that's a, a tweak that they make next year, maybe have the final count for the regular season. But Regardless, it, this was a lot of fun. They, I think the tournament wound up being a blast because the players cared. And I'm not just speaking about the Lakers, but across the board. We saw teams really get up for tournament games, and we wound up with essentially playoff intensity basketball in November and December, which is absolutely fantastic. So it was a lot of fun to, from that perspective. And then, of course, getting these games that ended up being um, kind of back-and-forth affairs, it was a blast. I thought the tournament was a big success, and it looks like it's going to be here to stay uh, for a while, Adam Silver's project, which 
drew a lot of eye rolls from NBA fans uh, all the way back to the summer when we talk about the summer league in Las Vegas. They were promoting it heavily. A lot of fans were not in favor of this. But if the end result is good basketball, I think people are going to be on board for it. And that's exactly what we got. That's exactly what we got. I mean, I was in favor of the in-season tournament once I heard about it. You know, I like the way that they're breaking up the 82-game uh, regular season schedule. I mean, it just gets monotonous at some point where it's like, okay, it's a regular game between, let's just say, the Pacers and Celtics on, on a regular Tuesday night. Instead, now you're playing for greater stakes. And we should have known that the players would have been, like, interested in this. You put them in any high competition uh, you know, where there's something on the line, they're going to take the intensity up to another level. I mean, look, you got the you got the man himself, LeBron James, who wanted to win this thing, be the first player to win this thing, add that uh, add another notch to his belt, and just a fantastic performance by him. What did you make overall of like the Lakers run through the in season tournament? Well, you know, I think that it showed a lot. There were a bunch of question marks about this Lakers team, and a lot of them stemmed on on injuries. We didn't know what this Lakers team was or wasn't because they had so many players who were out injured from the beginning of the season on. We still basically haven't seen Gabe Vincent play for the Lakers yet. So um, they've had so many players out there, and they had this streak of games where they lost to any team that was was any good, any playoff teams, and they beat teams that, that were not. So there were a lot of people saying, well, they can't win the big games. They can't turn it up. They can't take it to the next level. And then they got to tournament play, and we saw LeBron push down on the gas pedal a little bit. Anthony Davis certainly did as well. The entire team stepped it up. And I think what it gave us was a little bit of a preview of what this, this Lakers team can do, ideally come postseason time, that they do have another level that they can get to that LeBron does still have gas in the tank that when he goes playoff mode, that does mean something. And that's what we saw in the tournament. So it, it provides some optimism for the postseason for the, for the Lakers. But I think it also gave us just that, that sign that there's probably something more here than just what we saw in the early going, particularly when they've got everybody healthy, which so far more often than not has not been the case for the, the regular season. But again, certainly provides hope for, for the future. As you said, they haven't been healthy for most of the regular season, but regardless, man, they're still 15-11 uh, on the season. They're technically in the plan right now, but it's a stacked Western Conference. There's a lot going on. You're waiting for that team to get healthy. But speaking about them getting healthy, they're also involved in some trade rumors, right? You have one, Zach Levine, that's been rumored. Uh, I mean, you had the Athletic article not too long ago mentioning how they were interested in all three of the Chicago Bulls players, which is Zach Levine, DeMar DeRozan, Alex Caruso, having a making a get I guess reuniting him with the with Lakers Nation. What do you what has been your thoughts about all those guys with their links to the Lakers? Yeah, I think they're all interesting targets. Um I, I think when you've got a contract on your books like D'Angelo Russell who's who's making about 17 million this season and then has a player option for next season, he's just automatically going to be in trade conversations because you don't know what he's going to do this coming summer. Um, this Lakers team, one of the things they did over the, over this past offseason was they added a lot of players that were on kind of mid-level and slightly above contracts. We talk about Jared Vanderbilt, who's actually not trade eligible this season, but Jared Vanderbilt's in that mix. You've got uh, you've got D'Angelo Russell, you've got Rui Hachimura, Austin Reeves, Gabe Vincent, all of these guys who are making between that 12 to 17-ish million dollars. And what happens when you have a lot of those contracts is you can stack them up pretty easily and go make some moves. So I do think that they're a team that, well, they're, let's face it, they're always in the mix come trade deadline. They're, sometimes they're just in the mix because 
agents and the like like to throw their name out there to draw attention to their client and all that sort of stuff. That's another thing that does happen. But this Lakers team, I do expect them to be engaged in a lot of trade talks before the February 8th trade deadline. I think that Caruso, DeRozan, Zach Levine, they're all interesting trade candidates. I Personally, I look at what they did at the in-season tournament, though, and I think if you're going to do anything, it probably should just be a, an around-the-margins type of move. I don't know. Hmm. Like to go get Zach Levine, that's the, he's making $40 million this year. He's got over $40 million coming for the next three seasons after. He's got a player option in the final year of the deal. That's a big commitment that you're making to Zach Levine. And on top of that, you're stacking up, say, D'Angelo Russell, Rui Hachimura. Another piece has got to go in. Then you're adding in draft capital. You're taking away a lot of the depth that this team has. So if it's if if I had my choice here, what I would do is I would try to make a smaller move, go get say an Alex Caruso, which look, I don't think that's going to be easy. I think a lot of teams are going to be in on Alex Caruso at the trade deadline. But if you can get that type of player, maybe a couple of those guys, get a guard like that, get a big, maybe it's some three-point shooting, and off you go. Just add those pieces into the mix rather than make a kind of a big foundation-altering move like going after a player like Zach Levine, particularly when I'm not so sure that he's the guy that you want to commit to long-term next to Anthony Davis. But... We'll see what the Lakers do. They have the uh, the tendency to make big moves, but uh, I think that this in-season tournament showed us that they can step up when they need to. Maybe you just give them a little bit of help around the edges. So you're out on Zach Levine. No, no, thank you. Is it because of like the injury history? You know, because a lot of the talk and conversation is you get a legitimate score at a three-level threat to add to LeBron James, Anthony Davis, and if one of those guys has to miss time or if you want to like lessen the load on LeBron James, Zach Levine is a guy, you know, who we saw earlier this year can drop 50 points. So you're just out on him completely? No, I wouldn't say I'm out on, on him completely. I just think when you look at what the cost would be in terms of, because there's, it's, it's more than just, you're going to lose Rui, you're going to lose uh, D'Angelo Russell, you're going to lose, uh, probably they're going to ask for Austin Reeves as, as well, which I don't think the Lakers are willing to move him, but um, there's going to be Jalen Hood. Shafino is going to be in the mix, plus future draft capital. But really what we're talking about here is opportunity cost. Is Zach Levine the guy that you want to put next to Anthony Davis in a post-LeBron world? Because that's the commitment you're making on a three-year deal. And so if you make this move now, you give up those pieces right now for Zach Levine, you've got to be sure that answer is a yes. If not, you're probably better off waiting for the next guy to come along, somebody else that maybe you're more confident can be a true, at least on the offensive end, 1A star. And I just don't know if Zach Levine is quite there. Now, as the third guy, say, on this team right now with LeBron, with Anthony Davis, sure. Yeah, I think he'd be a great fit. I think he's a fantastic basketball player. It's more the contract than anything else. When Look, maybe there's a little bit of PTSD built in there, too, because we saw for the Lakers, it was a tough time. <laughs> Russell Westbrook, he was, he was a Laker. And we mm. saw the dangers of having somebody with a big contract on your roster that probably doesn't produce quite at that level. Again, Zach Levine's a great player, but is he a 40-plus million per year guy? Uh, that may be a little bit a little bit tough. So that's where I'd be a little bit more hesitant on that, and particularly when we just saw this team have success at the in-season tournament. If they were floundering, sure, I'd be more willing to just say, go for it, go bring in Zach Levine. Yes, he would absolutely help, but he, you got to make sure that this is the move because you can only make this trade once. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, 
and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Good points, good points. And salute again to Knicks Nation for tuning in for the Game of the Week preview. Joining me on the other side is Trevor Wayne. You can catch him over as the host for Lakers Nation and Front Office Show. And everyone, make sure to support our sponsor, Underdog Fantasy. Use that promo code KFTV to get up to a $100 match. All right, Trevor. So you're talking about Levine not being the guy. Obviously, we, we covered DeRozan and Caruso. But, you know, shout out to our guy, Michael Scotto. He did say the Lakers are open to moving D'Angelo Russell, who you just went in uh, deep into, and then uh, Rui Hachimura. What do you think about moving Rui, and who would you move Rui for? Yeah, I think that what the Lakers did, and I loved it um, over the summer, was they brought in a lot of wing depth. Um, that's something they haven't had for a long time. It's something that I think is critical in today's NBA. Rui Hachimura has a, a very nice-sized contract that is very movable. So if you were to move him, I look at what this team needs right now, and I think they're struggling whenever Anthony Davis is not in the game. We saw it the other night against the Spurs. They didn't have Anthony Davis, and it was a mess. Jackson Hayes and Christian Wood, while they both have their pluses and minuses, they're just not able to really hold it down when Anthony Davis is not in. So a true backup big, depending on how uh, how much you want to spend, maybe even get somebody that could start alongside Anthony Davis. If you want to go back to ADB and a four, I don't know that they go that far, but that is certainly a position of need. I don't know that you flip Rui to get that particular skill set, but that's definitely something that they need. I think they could also use a point of attack defender at the guard position. They've been playing Cam Reddish there. He's been doing a pretty good job. I've been really impressed with him this season. But D'Angelo Russell, Austin Reeves, both those guys, not known for their defense. So having a really stingy, and that's why we talk Alex Caruso, guard, that could be helpful. And then, of course, three-point shooting. Although Lakers fans, let's be honest, they're, there's, uh, they are are very wary of going and adding a shooter because there is something known as the Lakers tax or the Lakers curse. Whenever a shooter comes mm. to the Lakers, they somehow forget how to shoot. That seems to be a thing, but uh, that's another thing this team could certainly use. They don't take very many threes. They don't make a high percentage of them either. That could be an issue come postseason. So adding another shooter would be another, another skill set to target if you're going to move on from either Rui Hachimura or D'Angelo Russell. It's all good, Trevor. Just have them play the Knicks because we have poor three-point shooting defense. And whoever comes to Madison Square Garden, you know, you could be Zeke Naji, you could be Ricky Rubio. Next thing you know, become uh, you become the most lethal three-point shooter in NBA history. So it's all that's just that's just a curse. That's just a cure-all curse. All right. So that's all you got to do. And hey, look who's on docket. That's why we're talking about this game. Um, moving along, though, what have what have your thoughts been on Darvin Ham this season? I know he got a lot of heat last year. He was a rookie head coach. What have you thought about the job he's done so far? And so I, I think there's there's a couple of things going on with Darvin Ham. You, if you look, the, the general temperature of, of Lakers fans is, is not very high regarding Darvin Ham. There's a lot of people who are frustrated with him, frustrated with his rotations, frustrated with the way that he uses or doesn't use timeouts. Um, 
And a lot of people think he's just not the guy. So that's something that I think is just kind of inherent with pretty much every fan base, though. Anytime a team loses a game, the coach tends to take a lot of blame. So I think that's part of it here. I'll say, though, I I don't think Darvin has... Like, this was the guy that was coming in that was supposed to be the the huge motivator, the guy that had everybody on the team wanting to run through a brick wall for him. And we still see games where this team is sluggish, where this team doesn't look like they're fully engaged, where they look like they're content with just moving on to the next game. And Darvin, you know, he's not necessarily known as an X's and O's guy, a guy on top of that. Not that he's, you know, unsure of himself there or anything like that, but he's not known as a guy who's going to scheme his way through a game. So when you, are not really delivering what it is that you were expecting to see out of a coach. And then you've got some question marks in some other areas. Fans are going to be looking elsewhere. Now, I think the Lakers, I don't think they're moving on from him. They went to the Western Conference Finals last year. They just won the in-season tournament. Coaches who do those things tend to hang on to their jobs, and rightfully so. So I think that Darvin probably catches a little bit too much flack, but there are causes for concern. There's reasons for fans to be skeptical of him. It's not just all out of nowhere. It's not just fans being fickle or anything like that. I think there are real issues with, with Darvin Ham as a coach. Now he's still a very young coach. It's only his second year as a head coach. Maybe things improve. Maybe he grows into this role a bit more. Fans aren't super happy with him right now, but again, I don't see him going anywhere because of the success the team's had. You know, Trevor, I just feel like when it comes to any fan base, there's always gripes with the coach. I mean, yep. we have Tom Thibodeau for the New York Knicks. I mean, you can people say he can't develop young players. He's outdated and all this type of stuff. And some of that may be true. I don't really agree with the, it doesn't play young players. I mean, most of our team is extremely young, but, you know, he's not necessarily the most offensively creative guy out there either. Um, and I do understand, like, fan bases when they have gripes with the coach. You know, most of it should be on the players. Like, they got to go out there, play, execute. I, but I understand it's like it's that nuanced line, right? Because you can watch a team like the Miami Heat. You see Eric Spolster take a team that was in the play-in all the way to the NBA Finals, right? And then you have guys who have, like, all this talent. Maybe it's like the Lakers with LeBron James, right? And you're like, well, we have the guy. What else more do we need? Maybe it's the coach who's not connecting far enough. Or, you know, you see even Steve Kerr for all the championships that he's won. You know, he's getting a lot of heat, too, prior to making the rotation change. Like, Hey, what are we doing over here? I just find it interesting where the, I feel like every fan base has a gripe with the coach, mm-hmm. unless like they're the dynasty of Steve Kerr. But even with the dynasty, it's like, what have you done for me lately? And everything just goes down, uh, down this like rabbit hole of like, well, we could be doing this. We got to be searching for this. We need X, Y, and Z. And I just feel like there's never such thing as the perfect coach. 100%. Yeah. Every, I've made that point on my show a bunch of times. There's no, there's no, there's no fan base aside from maybe the heat because Spolster's, I mean, he's, probably the top coach in the league aside from the, the there's no fan base that's that's happy with their coach it's just the way that it goes it just <laughs> it just comes with the territory and so you always have to kind of discount the gripes that we see from fans about the coaching staff but um yeah it, it's it's the type of thing where i always stop and ask like okay if the if the Knicks are going to are going to get rid of Tibbs if the Lakers were going to get rid of Ham who are they bringing in who's what's who's the solution who's sitting out there right now if you're saying fire the coach, who's sitting out there right now that's going to come in and solve all the problems? If people still throw out like Phil Jackson and stuff like that, that's not that's not that's not happening. That's not happening. So you get um, Phil Jackson still. People are asking for Phil Jackson to come out of retirement to come oh coach yeah. the Lakers. Oh yeah, people are still actually asking for Phil. People are still asking for Dwight Howard to come back and play center again. But, you know, it's mm. we get we get stuck on these guys that um, that we we have fond memories of and and all that. Which look, I get it, but. 
I don't think Darvin Ham's going going anywhere. He could be better with what he's done, but as you're saying from the Knicks side of things too, like every coach is is kind of in that situation where their fans say, well, they could be doing this, they could be doing that. And most of the time you just you live you live with the pluses and minuses of the coach. And if things really go south, then you move on. But as long as the team's having success, I don't think they're going anywhere. Talk about a name, Phil Jackson, that has between both the Knicks and the Lakers right. base, like such different reactions. Like if you go back to him as a player, it's like, oh, great, you know, solid role player. Guy was inconsistent, but it was a solid role player for those championship winning Knicks. Then he goes to the Lakers. You're like, oh, great head coach, right? Then becomes an executive for the Knicks. And it's like, get this guy out of here. Hate him. <laughs> right. Timbuktu. We don't need to see this guy anymore. That's that's a name that's just so interesting, depending on which fan base you talk to, the reactions that you're going to get. Sure. But once again, but once again, salute to Knicks Nation. Thank you all for tuning in for Game of the Week preview. We we're previewing the New York Knicks facing the Los Angeles Lakers on Monday night at 10.30 p.m. Get, get, get that cup of coffee ready or your, Red, or your Red Bulls, whatever you're into. With me on the other side is Trevor Wayne. He's the host of Lakers Nation and, front, and the front office show. Make sure to support our sponsor, Underdog Fantasy. And speaking about our sponsors, guys, make sure to support our sponsor. Like I said, it's a fun app to use. Download it. Easy. If you, you if you are familiar with our former sponsor prize picks, it's similar to them where you go in there, you can choose a player, up to five players, two to five players, choose any statistical category for them to go higher or lower in. And then you can see if you if you get lucky, man, you can get lucky and earn some money. All right. Uh didn't do my sheet right now because it's still too early in the day. They like to change the lineup when it gets closer to game time. So I'm not I'm not there yet, but you know, if I were, I would go be looking at, at some of the games today. Like you got uh, the the Boston Celtics playing the Magic today, so I'm going to look at probably some guys like Tatum. You got the Bucks playing Houston, so I'm going to look at guys like Giannis and Brook Lopez as well. And like I said, the statistical categories you can choose higher or lower, and it could be rebounding, points scored, points rebounds and assists, and so forth. You can choose up to t- up to two to five players, and you can either do insured or non insured. Non insured means you believe you got the confidence that all five guys are going to hit the insured. You can get one wrong and you're still going to earn some money. So make sure to support our sponsor, Underdog Fantasy, and use the promo code KFTV to up to a $100 match. All right, Trevor, let's get into this matchup. Let's get into the nitty gritty of this thing. And it's going to be an interesting battle, man. Uh, I'm, I'm interested to see. Well, let me ask you this. Are the Lakers fully healthy? Because I know AD didn't play uh, a few nights ago. Is he expected to play tomorrow night against the Knicks? Yeah, so I haven't gotten the latest injury report from the team. I'm sure that'll be coming a little later today. But from what Darvin Ham was saying after the game against the Spurs, it sounds like there's optimism that uh, that Anthony Davis, D'Angelo Russell, Cam Reddish, all guys who sat out uh, against the Spurs, uh, three starters, will be available to go. They all had their various I- issues. Uh, D'Lo was dealing with a, with a migraine. Cam Reddish had a sore knee. Anthony Davis uh, tweaked his ankle the, the previous game. He's also been dealing with a groin issue that's been lingering for the last like month or so. Uh, but it sounds like they, they are most likely to go. Also, what we had heard last week was that Gabe Vincent was targeting this game to make his return, uh, played the first four games of the season, played horrifically, if we're being honest. Uh, Lakers fans are not excited about, about this. I could say that uh, because he played so poorly. I also say he shot 7% from three in four in four games. That's not who he is as an NBA player. I think that's just a small sample size thing. So I think fans are probably a little bit unfairly down on Gabe Vincent, but he is planning on trying to make his return. Nothing official, though. Nothing official that he's got the green light to go. He's been dealing with uh, with a knee issue. Hopefully he is indeed indeed able to start to get back on the floor, but 
it sounds like this may be the first game that we've seen all season that the Lakers would have uh, everybody available. But again, nothing official until we actually see that, that injury report later on in the day. Now, of course, if everyone's fully available, it's always against the Knicks. <laughs> All the time, we we had we had you know we had the unveiling of the of the big three for the Phoenix Suns this week. They're like, yep. oh, everyone's fully healthy, and you then now Beal's hurt again. Join the Clippers, <laughs> and it's like, oh, what's the first game I'm going to show up for? Oh, Madison Square Garden against the Knicks. Why can't anybody choose somebody else than the Knicks to be fully healthy? Come on, man, this is you just like I, I don't get it. That was that was the thing that we were dealing with last year too. It felt like every player who was hurt returned just in time to play the Lakers. In fact, we we started using the phrasing the player X. Will uh will return just to play the Lakers because it felt like that was they just had that game circle on the calendar. Um, in this case, it's Gabe Vincent. I don't know that his return is gonna matter a whole lot. I don't even know if how much he'll get into the rotation, but yeah, you guys may get the the fully healthy Lakers for the first time in the entire season. Which go figure. Uh, it's just it's it's the break sometimes, I guess. Yeah, that that's how it goes sometimes. But hey. We'll see what happens. We'll see what happens tomorrow. But there's some like key stats I have to go through first before we get yeah. to my key matchup. Uh, first and foremost, you know the Lakers are 20th in offensive rating. Uh, it, wh- why is that for a team that has LeBron James, Anthony Davis? Why are they so low in offensive r- rating? Uh, they they can't shoot. They don't have they don't have guys who are hitting from three. Uh, Austin Reeves was they essentially built this foundation in terms of their outside shooting on. Austin Reeves, D'Angelo Russell, those guys both being 40% three-point shooters. You got that with D'Angelo Russell, though he's slumped lately. That's dropped a little bit. Austin has not shot nearly as well as he did last season, although that's starting to pick up a little bit. Um, But other than that, LeBron's had a pretty good season shooting the ball, but Christian Wood has not. He's shooting 28% from three when he was a 37% career shooter. Um, Anthony Davis hasn't really shot the three all that well or all that often. Uh, Torian Prince went through a terrible slump slump in November. He does seem to be breaking out of that, though. But the bottom line is they just don't have enough guys who are hitting from behind the arc. They don't have uh, they don't shoot it with nearly enough volume. They're one of the lowest volume three point shooting teams in the NBA. While they do get to the free throw line a lot, they're also missing a number of free throws. They're just simply not high enough in their free throw percentage. And so when you add in those things, it's dragging down. Um, your offensive rating. In addition to turnovers, they've been kind of middle of the pack to bottom third in the NBA, bouncing around that area in turnovers as well. So that's robbed them of some offensive possessions. So yes, they've got LeBron. Yes, they've got Anthony Davis, but they've had enough issues operating efficiently on the uh, on the offensive end that that's causing their offensive rating to be a bit low. It's improved over the last couple of weeks when they've got everybody healthy. It has been getting better, particularly as their defense has been improving with getting stops. That's put them in semi-transition more often than not and given them opportunities to score. But yeah, the offense has been the biggest problem with this team. They're simply not scoring efficiently enough or often enough right now. And it comes down to all those issues that I that I mentioned. Interesting. Like I, like I talked about earlier in the show, like the Knicks three-point defense, it, it hasn't been great. When you look at cleaning the glass, the Knicks are 26 in frequency at three-pointers attempt, and they're 20th when it comes to the accuracy. So teams can hit at a high rate when they play the, the New York Knicks if they're shooting from behind the, the arc. I'm curious to see how that's going to play out tomorrow for a team that, you know, the Knicks like to play drop coverage. They like to protect the paint more so than anything else. And it leaves shooters wide open, especially on the far side to shoot the three. And that's where we've usually seen the weaknesses guys in the corner three on the opposite side, on the weak side, knocking down at a high clip. And 
I'm just, I just wonder if the Lakers are going to be able to take advantage of that tomorrow because, Knicks, you just see everyone closing out. And if you get this team, especially now, since Mitchell Robinson is out for eight to ten weeks, he'll be reevaluated then. We don't have our top – so we don't have our top shot blocker. We just changed Grimes to being a bench unit player, one of our best – point of attack defenders. So now you have Dante DiVincenzo, who's okay, but not the greatest at point of attack defense. He's more better of an off-ball defender. I'm just curious to see how, if the Lakers, because they can get downhill. And if they're getting downhill, I feel like they're an inside-out team where if you're getting downhill, we're going to start kicking it out. And if we can knock down threes, everything opens for them. That's going to be my biggest concern for the Knicks tomorrow. If they get going, you know, you got Anthony Davis, LeBron James. That's just easy money when it comes to uh, scoring in the paint. Another thing the Lakers like to do, they're seventh in fast break points. They like to get out and run in transition. Is that been most of the success? Is that because of like the LeBron James, Anthony Davis effect? Or is that just all the athleticism you add this offseason? Yeah, I mean, I, I wouldn't, I think it's it's mostly the latter. I mean, LeBron hasn't pushed down on the gas pedal a ton this season, aside from the tournament games. But this is this is a team where they're built around their defense and when you get stops, when you're okay at forcing turnovers, that gives you opportunities to get out and run, at least in, in a semi-fast break situation. And you've got some wings now on this team. You've got, like Cam Reddish isn't a great finisher, but he can get out and run. You've got Torian Prince. You've got uh, some of these other players that can do those things. And so that's allowed them, they're, they're, it's their defense that's really allowed them to, um, to get out and run. You know, people always think about, like going back to the Showtime Lakers in the 80s, people always think about, oh, this was a so this this fun team that just ran, 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 ran. What was their defense that allowed them to do that? You don't get to run if you don't get stopped. So this Lakers team, not that they're anywhere near the Showtime era, but this team is, is built in a similar way where if you can get stops, that gives you opportunities to get out and attack. And really they have to because, as I said, their three-point shooting has been so poor. That has has inhibited their, their half-court offense. So anytime they have a chance, to run and attack a defense that's not fully set up. First of all, any team should be doing that, but you've got to you've got to really try to take advantage of it and push down on the gas pedal to to try to get it back at somebody that's not really set up yet. So that's what they've been doing. Uh, it's been working out, and it's all based around their ability to get stops, to get turnovers, and then go from there. Gotcha. And you know, the Knicks, they're not necessarily the greatest at stopping in transition. I'm curious to see how the Knicks will fare. They're more of a middle of the pack team. So that's somewhere I feel like the Knicks are really going to have to hone in on to really reduce the Lakers ability to get out in transition and score on them. Last thing I want to talk about is the Lakers are dead last in second chance points. Can, can you talk about that? Because, you know, for a team that has LeBron James and Anthony Davis, I'm like, that's just dominance right there. You got two solid rebounders. How are they last in second chance points? So they're, they're last in second chance points and they are last. I looked one of, if not the worst team in second chance points given up. Uh, mm -hmm. A lot of that is, is rebounding, uh, particularly guys coming in from the perimeter uh, opponents are coming in from the perimeter and getting offensive rebounds. The Lakers wings and guards have done a terrible job boxing out there. So they're giving up a lot of offensive rebounds uh, and creating second chance points that way. As far as the Lakers themselves, Essentially, they last season they had problems with their transition defense, so they tactically made the decision that we're not going to crash the offensive glass. We're going to send everybody back instead. Now, they did switch that up in the tournament against the Suns and crushed the Suns on the offensive glass. They sent Anthony Davis at the boards just about every single uh, possession, and he wound up like nine offensive rebounds, something ridiculous. But for the bulk of the season, they have completely punted on trying to get offensive rebounds and instead have just sent guys back on defense. It's another part of the reason why their offensive rating is so low. 
because when you get an offensive rebound, you either get, you're getting one of two things typically because the defense is completely out of position. When you get an offensive rebound, you're either getting a putback or you're getting a kick out to a wide open threes. And both of those things are extremely valuable. The Lakers have been not interested in getting those things. And there's a reason why, I mean, they want to get back and not give up easy buckets on the other end. That's been a big part of their foundation. So they've made that, that very conscious choice. It'll be interesting to see if we do see them crash the glass at all, but really they, they have for the bulk of the season, they've punted on the offensive rebounds and that's robbed them of second chance scoring opportunities in order to shore up their transition defense. So uh, they're kind of robbing from one area to pay the other right now, but we'll see ultimately what what they do because we have seen that strategy start to shift a little bit as we've gotten deeper into the season. And I'm I think that's the place where the New York Knicks can thrive. They're you know this is one of the best teams when it comes to second chance points. I mean yeah. we don't have Mitchell Robinson when Mitchell Rich was healthy. You talk about second and second chance points just because he's number one in the league currently when it comes to offensive rebounding, but. Don't sleep on Julius Randle. People like I know Mitch does a lot of cleaning up on the on the offensive glass, but shout out to Julius who ranks seventh when it comes to second chance points within the league. Mitchell Robinson ranking fifteenth prior to his injury. So I still think this is an opportunity for the Knicks to take advantage of the Lakers, especially if they're trying to get back on defense and to protect. And look, when it comes to opponent second chance points, you know the Knicks are where are they right now? Why is this thing reversing on me? They are they're twenty third. So if the if if the Lakers did want to get get in, and this is over the last four games because we don't have Mitch, that is an area that the Lakers themselves could try to attack. But we'll see if they're not really sold on offensive rebound and trying to get back in transition. Well, I don't know how much that will actually play out. But this is an area for me I, that I think the Knicks should actually take full advantage of. Um, yeah, 100, 100%. I mean, our old friend Julius Randle, former, former Laker from back go. in the day. Yeah, he, he can do some work on the offensive glass. And this is... I said, if you can get some of the Knicks wings really to crash the boards too, that's where this Lakers team struggle. Guys turn their heads. Guys are not paying attention. Next thing you know, you've got a a wing player running in, tipping the ball away from Anthony Davis and uh, opponents are getting a lot of scoring opportunities off of that. So I I think that the Knicks could absolutely have success on the glass against the Lakers, particularly uh, if they're going to miss a number of shots, they they can have the ability to keep themselves in the game just by crashing the glass and, and going at it from there. Yeah, I, I agree as well. And, and like I, another player that people shouldn't sleep on is Isaiah Hartenstein. I mean, he's a backup player, so most of his most of his numbers are going to be reflective of that. But he's 25th in the league when it comes to offensive uh, rebounding. So, and for a backup big, that's that's pretty impressive in, in my opinion. Um, but moving along, man, I got to talk about this key matchup of the game, and, and the matchup of the game for me is none other than Julius Randle, the former Los Angeles Laker, going against LeBron James. I mean. LeBron James playing power forward, Randall playing power forward. That's just the matchup I'm going to see. And, and there's no other player on the Knicks team that has the physicality close enough. Not saying he's going to stop LeBron James. That would be just crazy for me to say. But to compete at least and try to compete is Julius Randall, LeBron James. I like, I'm not an, a, a great fan of the matchup just because it is LeBron James. And when he wants to compete, he could turn it up. But offensively, Julius has been strong over the last 10 games, 27. He's been averaging 27 points, close to nine rebounds, five assists, shooting 57% from the field, shooting 37% from downtown, and 85% from the free throw line. Julius has been on one offensively, so defensively, it's not going to be a strong suit, but I think he will keep up enough offensively to help keep this team in the the game. And then, obviously, LeBron James, if you can try to contain him, you did a good job, but I'm not expecting to even try to contain LeBron James. 
What do you think about that matchup? Yeah, I mean, I think that it's interesting in that you have two actually somewhat similar players. I mean, Randall's got the ability to handle the basketball. He's a freight train in, in transition. He can pass the ball a little bit. He can shoot from outside. And physically, there's some similarities to LeBron. Obviously, LeBron is LeBron, right, and all of that. But but just in terms of how they approach the power forward position, they there are some comparisons that you can make between the two here. Now, I, I think it's going to be an absolute battle. I think these guys can both get after it. I think it'll be interesting to see if, how much time they actually spend defending each other directly or if our guys shuffled off onto other players. We'll see what that looks like. But uh, look, Julius Randle, I've I've long been a resident of Randall Island. He's been a been a I've been a fan <laughs> of his and I've enjoyed his game. I think that there's there's moments where he can get a little bit too shot happy from the perimeter and that can cause problems. But when his shot is falling, like it has been recently, like you're talking about, he can be a really difficult guy to deal with. And of course, we know players like to to turn it up against their former team. So um, I'm expecting a big performance out of Julius Randle. I think that he's going to be very, very difficult to deal with. And his battle with LeBron is going to be important. You know, this is this is now regular season mode LeBron. This is not tournament mode LeBron. And we see him switch off defensively quite a bit. So I do wonder if Randall's going to be able to take advantage of that or if LeBron will have one of his on games and if he'll really be going on, on both ends. We'll see. But um, it, it's going to be a battle. It's going to be physical, I think. And that's going to be a lot of fun. And look, e- again, either one of these guys in transition is a freight train. And that's just, that's a blast, a blast in and of itself. I think LeBron will turn on. It's so against the Knicks, man. Like you know, it's like it's historic franchises we're talking about here. LeBron likes to turn up for certain games. It's Monday night. I feel like he's going to do it, man. If it was at MSG, I, I know one thousand percent he'd be on because when he goes to New York, he has to put on a show. But you know, I, I got before I finish finish uh, and go on to the next thought. You, you said you're part of the, the Randall Hive member, like you 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 you're fond of doing because talking about that in Knicks Nation, man, that there's such a divide between how I they feel it. about him. I, I see it. I see a lot of a lot of Knicks fans that say, "Well, it's the contract and it's the shot, it's the shooting, and and all of this that, that we don't like, and we need to trade him and move on from him and all this kind of stuff." Yeah, I, I look. I've I've been a fan of of Randall's skill set for a long time. I know it's not the easiest one to to build around, but just always been intrigued by his combination of rebounding and scoring. And um, look, there were there. I remember in the draft covering him very specifically and, you know, Randall versus Noah Vonley and Vonley. has got the ability to shoot from outside and he's got more length and Randall's got T-Rex arms and can't block shots and gets his shot blocked and all this kind of stuff, right? Like this was, this was the conversation uh, around Julius Randall. And I just think he's a, a little bit of a throwback player and it's endearing in, in that way. And just seeing him have success in the NBA has been uh, has been nice. Just to see somebody who do, you, not everybody has to be super long arm, super long limbed, block shots, shoot threes and layups, and that's it. And Randall can can certainly do those things, but he's developed a bit of a mid range game too. He's found a way to to find success in the NBA despite despite not necessarily having the physical traits that you typically look for in a bigger player right now. So he's an interesting guy. I, I'm. Always enamored with bigs who can pass the ball, bigs who can handle the ball, do things that that most bigs can't typically do. And uh, and he's had the ability to do that. So I, I think that he can be a tough guy to build a team around, tough guy to, to fit into a team. But if you can find the right fit, I think he can absolutely be, uh, be a positive for any team. Now, again, you guys have a different perspective because you've got his contract on the books. You're looking at building out a roster around that. You're seeing his off nights, all that sort of stuff. But uh, but yeah, he's always been a guy that uh, that I've been that I've been high on. You know, I, I like 
he actually blocked me on Twitter because when he first joined the Knicks, uh, <laughs> I was very critical uh, on his play style, especially when it comes to the defensive side of the ball. And yeah. first year was just bad. But, yo, he's been – this year has definitely been the best version of Randall I've seen because he's really embraced getting downhill. Last year, he was a little too mid-range shot happy, yeah. uh, especially from 3-2. Like, he took a lot of threes last season and made a lot, but not at an efficient rate. But this season is definitely by far – the best Randall I've seen, especially the playmaking, man. The the passing has been so much better than years past. Um, but yeah, you know, like everyone's going to talk about that tough character, tough player, I should say, tough player to to build around, just because of the attributes you talked about. But look, when he's when he's kicked in the gear, and over these last nine games, he's been those. I mean, I just read the ten last ten game stats for you. Like he's somebody yeah. that it's tough to mess with, and yeah. Uh, he's he's definitely been playing a lot better this season, and at, I think uh, a style that's more favorable to the Knicks. So I like it, man. I like it. I like the, I like this version of Julius Randle. But there's other matchups in this game that we got to talk about because we got Jalen Brunson, you got Torian Prince on the other side. I think that's probably going to be uh, the defensive match matchup, unless you want to throw Cam Reddish on Jalen Brunson, which that could be more likely because of the wingspan. He's been playing good defense for the Lakers. Which one do you think would be the defensive matchup for, for Brunson? If I had to pick, it would be Cam Reddish, which means Darvin Ham's probably going to go with Torian Prince. Um, so that, but uh, I think Jalen Brunson is, is the big threat to deal with. And so if it's, if it's me, I'm using Cam Reddish there. Torian Prince has been okay defensively, but he's also been miscast for much of the season as a primary point of attack defender out of necessity because everybody else has been hurt. So they haven't really been able to utilize him off ball as much as really he should be. He's not really a lockdown guy. Cam Reddish, I didn't expect this out of him, but he's been really good defensively. He's been using those super long arms. He's been quick enough to stick with a lot of guards, with a lot of high-scoring wings. And so that would be my primary matchup, would be using Cam, using his size to see if he can slow down Brunson. Obviously, Brunson went off just the other day. Um, he's the guy that can get going in an instant. And if the Knicks are able to get a lot of switches with like D'Angelo Russell and Austin Reeves having to defend Jalen Brunson, that could be a big, big problem because neither one of those guys, I think, is going to be able to stay in front of him. So this is going to be really interesting to see how the Lakers as a team, because let's face it, despite how much we may say, well, it's going to be Cam versus Brunson, there's going to be a ton of screens. We're going to wind up in a lot of uh, switch situations and things like that. As a team, how do they handle Jalen Brunson? That's going to be really important for the ultimate outcome of this matchup because, as we know, Brunson is, is fantastic, and he can absolutely get red hot and just go berserk on a team. For sure, absolutely. And... Uh, that's where it's like, for me, like I'm looking at your players, like it's not going to be d because you wouldn't want d on there. No. I, I'm wondering how, if Cam Reddish decides to show up and play against a former team that traded for him, you know, he had some words to say about Tom Thibodeau, about uh, the lack of opportunity and stuff like that, being on the Knicks. And now he's thriving in, uh, in LA. I think it's going to be Cam as well, but I'm going to obviously take Brunson in that matchup. He just gets to his spots easily. Um, sure. Although I do think Cam will give a little bit of resistance just because of the wingspan. And we have seen wingspan in the past really be a deterrent for Jalen Brunson, especially when I think back to the New Orleans Pelicans game. So we'll see how that works out. And then other matchups, it's, I would say defensively for, the, like, I'm, I guess it would be Touring Prince on RJ Barrett. And mm -hmm. I'm wondering if RJ would guard Touring Prince or Cam. And because I'm trying to see where, I'm trying to think where I would hide Brunson. I'd probably hide Brunson on. Prince, so that way he doesn't have to worry about a D'Angelo Russell who can also get hot from from the field. Um, so I probably think Brunson on Prince just because of probably be a stationary corner three point shooter just to try to hide him there. And then it just comes down to I think Dante would be on D'Lo, and then you'd use 
uh, RJ on Cam. Obviously, Randall for OBJ and our center. Yeah. Whoever that is, whether it be Isaiah Hartenstein or Jericho Sims, will be guarding Anthony Davis. And I'm not even going to just talk about that because it's Anthony Davis. <laughs> right, right, right. So that's uh, there's some interesting matchups there on the perimeter. Torian Prince is... He can attack closeouts, and he's okay when he gets into the paint. He's actually had a few decent passes when he's gotten a, attacked a closeout and gotten downhill, but he's not a guy that's going to really put a lot of pressure on a player to defend them on the perimeter one-on-one, aside from just being that spot-up three-point shooter. And then Cam Reddish. I think Cam is actually the guy that you can cheat off of the most. Um, his three-point mm-hmm. shot is probably the most suspect right now. Uh, he's knocked in a few of them this year, but he's still a guy who, if I'm going to cheat off anybody, if, if I'm going to have Jalen Brunson, whoever it is, kind of hang out in the paint a bit more and maybe not pay as much attention to a guy. It's definitely going to be Cam Reddish over over Torian Prince, who I think is just the higher quality three point shooter. So it'll be interesting to see what the what that matchup ultimately looks like. Do the Knicks try to hide their guys on on one of them? Um, D'Lo, yeah, I think Dante Divincenzo will get after him as well. We'll see these guys pressuring Austin Reeves too. We've seen a lot of that, a lot of high pressure on on Reeves. Um, just trying to get him to make mistakes with the basketball as he's kind of adjusting to being more of a point guard in the NBA. So it's going to be really interesting to see the way all of this plays out um, because there are some some cross matches here that are going to lead to to some real battles, I think. Like, again, D'Lo versus DiVincenzo will be, will be interesting. Can D'Angelo Russell, who's been in a slump for the last five games or so, can he break out of that? Then you're going to see, can... The Lakers make Jalen Brunson work at all defensively, or is he going to be able just to hide out in the corner on Cam Reddish and the Lakers are kicking the ball every once in a while, but for the most part, kind of ignore him out there. I, I think there's some really intriguing cross matches here, and, and I can't wait to see it. This is going to be a lot of fun. Salute to Knicks Nation for everyone tuning in for another Game of the Week preview. We're previewing the New York Knicks facing the Los Angeles Lakers, and with me on the other side is none other than Trevor Wayne, the host of Lakers Nation and front office show. Please make sure to support our sponsor, Underdog Fantasy. Use our promo code KFTV to get up to a $100 match and hit that thumbs up button for your boys. All right, Trevor, let's close this thing out. We got I got a few more things to talk about. Bench, I think it's IQ versus Austin Reeves for me. Of course, there's other players. You got Rui on your side. We got Josh Hart, another former Laker that, let's see, yeah. if he wants to show up for uh, a revenge game, he just got thrown out last night, got two techs against the, the, the Clippers. That's, you know, I think the bench, when I look at it, it can either go either way just because you got Austin Reese coming off the bench well as well. You know, he started off as a starter this year, but he's back to thriving off as a bench player again. I think it can go either way, man. It depends on who really gets hot. What do you think about the bench units? Yeah, absolutely. It can be, it's going to depend on who gets hot. Um, Austin Reeves can certainly get it going. He's been improving lately, had a rough stretch to start the season. A lot of that we were saying, you know, it's his legs from playing with Team USA over the summer. It wasn't really fully back but it feels like he's starting to get into a rhythm right now. So the Lakers need big performances out of him. And then from there, it's guys like Rui Hachimura. Rui's been, he's talked about it. He's struggling wearing this mask. Um, he broke his nose uh, a couple of weeks ago and, and had surgery. It's wearing the mask, which he has to wear for, I think, another month. He's talked about how much it's bothering him. We see him ripping the mask off in frustration when he's in a timeout and things like that. He hates the thing. And so that's been been a bit of a problem for him with his shooting. Jared Vanderbilt, though, is, is back in the fold. Is it Christian Wood or Jackson Hayes off the bench as the big? We've seen both of those guys get some minutes recently. That's going to be something to keep an eye on as well. And then we've got players like Max Christie who have kind of stepped it up uh, a bit this season. Didn't have a very good performance last game, but he can do some things defensively. Or does Gabe Benson just get into the mix? Does he claim the role of being kind of the next guard 
off the bench for the Lakers. That's going to be something to keep an eye on as well. So yeah, the the, the bench battle is going to be really interesting. What does the Lakers bench really look like? Because honestly, we we still don't have, we ha- we've had so few games where the Lakers have had all their players available. We don't even really know what the bench rotation would look like with everybody healthy. So that's going to be something for Lakers fans to keep an eye on is what, where does Darvin Ham turn to now that he's got, ideally, fingers crossed, actually a full complement of players. So that's going to be really interesting to see who is it that actually gets minutes off of the Lakers bench because there's going to be at least a player or two that we've become used to seeing that probably isn't going to be in the rotation if everybody's healthy. And that could be a Jackson Hayes, could be a Christian Wood, could be somebody like that. But we're going to have to wait and see on, on that one. But the bench battle, yeah, is going to be really, really important in the in this game. And whichever side gets the gets a leg up on the other, that may ultimately be the team that walks away with the win. Yeah, for sure. But the, for me, the, the real big thing is my X factor. It's Isaiah Hartenstein. For me, this is where it's going to be the battle because Jericho Sims, is he's been struggling as a starting center for the Knicks, and I get it. He's just out there because you don't want to ruin the flow of the second unit. Isaiah Hartenstein, who's a really good passing big, has a rhythm with those guys. That's why Tibbs is leaving him out there. And Jericho Sims is like Mitchell Robinson light and I put an emphasis on the light because not like him but has the same traits that you would want from that as your as your starting center um for me Isaiah Harnstein is my x-factor because he's going to get the bulk of the minutes in this matchup he's going to have the tough assignment of guarding Anthony Davis and over the last couple of games he's been so involved offensively too and since he's a good offensive rebounder and like I said this is a an area where the Knicks could get uh a one-upping on the Los Angeles Lakers in second-chance opportunities, I'm looking at Isaiah Hartenstein to be that guy to really help tilt this in the Knicks' favor. What do you think of that, and who's your X-factor for the Lakers? Yeah, I think the offensive glass in general, and if it's Hartenstein who's able to to really create problems there, that's going to be the biggest way that you can hurt the Lakers is attacking those missed shots. Um and that's, and that's where the Lakers have been really hurt over the course of the season. So I agree with you there 100%. Um, as far as the X factor for the Lakers, I'm going to go with D'Angelo Russell. You know, he's a guy that they needed him to be a really solid scorer. And for mo- much of the season, he has been. He's been extremely efficient, but he's been in a slump. And frankly, he's looked like he's lacked a little bit of confidence in a couple of games recently, had some uncharacteristic turnovers. He's been shooting the ball great on the season, hasn't been turning it over. If he can get back to playing that kind of basketball, that's going to go a long way towards helping the Lakers begin. The last five games or so have not been pretty for him, so he's going to need a bounce-back performance in this one. Absolutely. I can see I can see that as well for D'Lo being your X factor. Trevor, I appreciate you coming on the show and, and previewing this game with me. How do you think tomorrow's going to go? And what's your, what's your prediction? Man, I, I think it's going to be a blast. I think it's going to be a close game. We've got two teams that are very similar in terms of the standings, in terms of uh, what they do on, on the floor. There are very, very... And they're very close. I think this is going to be an absolute battle. Uh, I'll be biased. I'll say the Lakers get get the win. I wouldn't in, expect in it any other way. <laughs> I'm I'm hoping that. Well, I mean, coming off of let's face it, a a embarrassing loss against the San Antonio Spurs, and they have every right to be embarrassed by their performance that night. Um, I'm hoping that the Lakers will will turn it up and and feel in some ways offended, determined to to prove that they're better than what they just showed. Um, We'll see what kind of energy and, and, and intensity they play with in this one. But uh, yeah, I, I'm going to say the Lakers, but I'm going to say it's going to be a very, very close game, especially with the Knicks, their strength on the offensive glass and the Lakers, that being a weakness, that could very well wind up carrying the day for New York. So it's, it's going to be an exciting battle. 
uh, to watch all night long. Of course, you're going to go with the Lakers. I'm going to go with my New York Knicks. Look, I just saw the impressive game against the Phoenix Suns. They lost to the Clippers. I know it stunk, uh, but it was the second game of a back-to-back. You just had to travel from Phoenix, get to L.A., but at least now you get some rest. You get one night off after playing in L.A. You don't have to go anywhere, so you can get – hopefully they're probably getting some practice in or some rest in today. Probably rest, do some shoot-around tomorrow. I'm going to get the Knicks to bounce back. I'm going to get a Brunson and Randall have a really strong game. Randall having a revenge game against the Lakers. Brunson just doing what Brunson does. And I'm looking for iHeart, like I said, to be the X factor in this game. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I'm going to go with my New York Knicks. Trevor, once again, thank you for joining me for this Game of the Week preview. Please let our guests know, or not our guests, but our listeners know, uh, where they can find you and if you got anything up and coming. Sure, yeah. You can find a lot of our, our work over at the Lakers Nation YouTube channel, youtube.com slash Lakers Nation, as well as the Lakers Nation podcast feed. That's where we have new shows out every single day covering uh, the Lakers. Then, of course, our written work is over at LakersNation.com. If you want to find me personally, you can find me over on X at Trevor underscore Lane and then on Instagram and threads at Trevor Lane NBA. Once again, Trevor, thank you for joining me today to preview this Knicks versus Lakers game. And salute to Knicks Nation for tuning in. Hit that thumbs up button for your boys. Make sure to subscribe to the channel. Make sure to share all the links to these videos. If you can't catch, you can always catch us on the audio platform, whether it be Apple or Spotify, wherever you listen to your podcasts. On top of that, support our sponsors, Underdog Fantasy. Make sure to download the app. Use that promo code to get uh, up to a $100 match. Promo code is KFTV. Once again, to get up to your $100 match. Also, support the website, KnicksFanTV.com. We got a bunch of great writers over there. Make sure to support them as well. Knicks Nation, salute to all you. Thank you for tuning in. Shout out to all the franchise channel members. I see Mr. Donson. I see Mr. Donson here. Casey Probus. I see the quiz in here. Shout out to you, man. Shout out to everyone that tuned in today. Building blocks, I see you as well. Shout out. We'll catch you tomorrow for post game. We out of here. Peace. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.